Well, hey, good to see everyone today. Welcome to Centerpoint. I'm John. I'm lead pastor here. I'm glad you came. Glad you're with me. Yay. Yay, God. Yay, God. Hey, before we get into the message, I wanted to just take a moment and ask if we could take some time to pray together. And uh, that's because this is what I guess we might think of as 9-11 weekend. I mean, because we're gathering together and it's been 20 years, it just seems like it would be appropriate to, to stop for a minute and make sure to pray because of what a weekend like this re represents and reflects. I mean, for me personally, uh, it, it does get a little personal. I grew up in New Jersey and New York as a kid. And so uh, in a personal way, you know, those two buildings became and were kind of part of the backdrop of everyday life. I remember going into those uh, buildings with my dad when I was a kid. And, and so there's, a, there's a, a marker in my mind about 20 years ago that still is marked with pain. And I think for a lot of us, that's true. We probably all can remember where we were on that Tuesday and what was going on and when we started watching. And, and I think 20 years later, maybe it would make sense to just pause for a minute and pray and pray over our nation and let it, let it again be a bit of a, a wake-up call. Because as much as I remember what happened on, on the 11th, I also remember what happened on the 12th and the days following. Because what I remember is that we, as a nation, began to come together and acknowledge, God, we need you. Do you remember that? If, if you were alive then, you would remember people began coming out of the woodworks, coming together with a collective heart to say, God, we need you. And 20 years later, I hope we would still come to that same place. I hope we would still be the kind of people that would say from the bottom of our heart and with a humble spirit, God, we need you. <laughs> and I want us to take a moment before we get into the sermon and just pray together and acknowledge, God, we need you. And, and to pray for, for God to bring revival in our country. I've got some friends who are out in Washington, D.C. right now, yesterday and today, uh, doing a prayer and worship vigil this whole weekend just to seek God there in the nation's capital, not to get loud and proud, but to get humble and, and, and cry out to say, God, we need you. And I think we ought to do the same. We ought to join in with those voices because the scriptures that, that I read call us to that, right? It, it says it in God's word. If my people who are called by my name will get loud and angry and proud. Hey, somebody knows that in what the Bible says. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll heal their land. And so I think we ought to be people who are doing that for a bit right now. So would you take a minute? We're going to pray over uh, just the remembrance of 9-11 and what that means and asking God for awakening. And we're going to pray over everything pertaining to the coronavirus. Because I don't know about you, but I want to say enough's enough. And I think we ought to ask God to move in a fresh way in both of those things. Can you join me? And right now, let's be the people that will cry out, God, we need you. <laughs> 
All right, let's go. Let's pray. God, we need you. Come on, just say it with me. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you. Lift your voice for a second and just say it. God, we need you. Our nation needs you. This country needs you, God. And we will acknowledge that we need you. And we will humble ourselves. And we will say, we, your people, called by your name, we will turn from our wicked ways and seek your face, God. And we will believe that as we cry out to you, in humble repentance that God you would come and heal our land and so God we need you cry out again say it God we need you God we need you in our country we're asking God for your righteousness and justice to prevail everywhere there is injustice and wrong being done God we're asking for your hand to stay your hand to be keeping us your hand to be on us God and we pray Father for all of this to result in an awakening for this country we ask for your, your people in this country to rise up and to become the awake people of God who are seeking your hand seeking your face walking in your ways. God, we need you. Say it again with me. God, we need you. We need your covering in our lives. We need, Father, to see a victory, a greater victory yet with regards to coronavirus. And so we acknowledge the physiological aspect of it, but we recognize there is a spiritual underpinning to this thing. And we want to denounce it. We stand against the coronavirus and whatever evil spirit empowers it. And we say, no more in Jesus' name. We declare that as God's people, we will rise up in health and our immune systems will be filled with your power. And we ask God that human immune systems all across our region would be so strong that there would be less and less cases and hospitalizations and deaths and more and more testimonies of, I'm fine, we're fine, we made it. God gave us the victory over Lambda, over Delta, over Mu, over whatever else it wants to get called. We shut it down in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare the good of God over our bodies physically. And we ask God that you'd give us great faith to not succumb to fear, but to walk in a trust in you and who you are and what you can do. God, we need you. Say it with me. God, we need you. We need you, Lord. And we trust you're going to move in our nation and in our personal lives and in our church. We praise you together and all God's people shout, amen, amen, amen. You know what? This is what we got to do sometimes. It's just let ourselves be the people who just go for it, seeking God, crying out. And I know for some of us, we're going, oh, that got a little uncomfortable. Good. <laughs> Sometimes we need to get a little uncomfortable in the presence of God and, and be real in our seeking of him. And so, yeah, I want to I share a message with you, but I want to make sure we have some time to just pray first. Uh, so, but I will get into the message now. So a couple months ago, that was like four months ago, Ann and I were in the car together. We're driving down to the beach to Oceanside for a couple hours. And it just so happened that, you know, our kids are teenagers now and want to do their own things. And so it was kind of one of the first times where all of a sudden they didn't want to go and it was just us. And, and so we're in the car by ourselves driving down to the beach and all of a sudden this song pops on and it's an older Bruno Mars song and I guess I never uh, recognized it, but that day, something about the, the lyrics and the way it sounded, it was doing something to me. Bruno Mars was singing, you can count on me like one, two, three, and I'll be there. 
And I know when I need it, I can count on you like four, three, two, and you'll be there. Y'all just left me hanging. Are you serious? Not a soul in here knew those words. You couldn't keep it coming with me. Anyway, he's singing that song. And then in particular, when he got to the part where he's singing, except he's singing it like this, because it's Bruno Mars, right? Something about the way he was singing those oohs in particular, it hit a deep place in me. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm remembering, I'm having all of these memories of, of my children's first days of school, of the awards ceremonies after the, uh, the series ended, and, and, and of Christmas mornings, and wrapping paper flying, and Thanksgiving, and, and them sitting at the kids' table, and, and, and learning how to swim for the first time. Like all of those, like all of a sudden, flashing through my brain. And I'm like having this customized, this is us, and parenthood mashup inside of my head going on. I'm crying, you know, and that's all thanks to Bruno Mars, right? But I do, I do remember thinking at that time, man, th- th- there's only so much time we have with the relationships that matter the most. And uh, I want to I wanna keep giving as much as I can of who I am to seeing those relationships thrive. I want to keep showing up better if I can. And I also determined that day, and I want to do a message series for Center Point, and I'm going to call it Count on Me. Thank you, Bruno. All right? So this is Count on Me, and today is part one. And uh, in this series, we're going to be diving into, into all of the relationships that matter most to us, marriage, parenting, friendships, and everything in between. And, and I want to make sure that we can uh, get the most out of this series. So uh, today, I'm sharing five keys to great relationships, generally. It's kind of like the 30,000-foot view. And then next week and the following week, I'm going to be teaching on marriage, two weeks in a row on marriage. And I want you to, to know that ahead of time. In particular, I want you to know that on the 26th, that's part three, I'm going to be talking about sex in marriage. And so uh, I will be going there. I just want you to know that in advance. And so maybe that's not the day to say, you know what, let's just have the kids sit with us in church this weekend. Like, maybe not, unless you wanted to go there too with your kids, right? So uh, I'm looking forward to this whole series. I want you to get your heart ready for the journey we'll be on together uh, to become the kind of people that can have a relationship with others where we, we live out a uh, you can count on me kind of a dynamic. Okay, so we're going to spend some time today in the Bible in John chapter 15. So I want you to open up the Bible to John 15. And while you're turning to John 15, get open to John 15, 9. You know, I read in a book by Brian Tracy that only 15% of the joy and happiness that, that you, we feel in our lives comes from earned achievements and successes, only 15%. 85%, according to Tracy, 85% of our experience of joy and happiness comes from our association and relationships with people. It's probably also true that 85% of the pain and frustration comes from people also, but I want us to concentrate on this dynamic of how crucial relationships are and to figure out whether or not maybe God would be calling us to get a little bit more intentional about how we're going after the relationship. So I am going to share five keys to great relationships, but I want you to recognize this. You can't control 
other people's behavior. But you can take responsibility for how you are going to be in relationship to other people. And that's what this message is about today, these five keys to great relationships. So uh, let, me, let me jump into the scriptures in John 15, verse 9. Jesus' words. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are, my friends, if you do what I command. This is Jesus talking to the church and the disciples in the early church saying, look, your relationships with each other matter so much, but they're not going to happen in a good way by autopilot. It's going to take some intentionality on your part. And so Jesus is talking to disciples, but his teaching cuts across categories, and his teaching is needed for all the relationships that we have. And he's calling us to a higher standard. And he's saying, look, you, you can experience more joy, more happiness than you know. But it's going to come in the degree to which you would be intentional about investing with love in the relationships in front of you. I mean, that's basically what he said. He said, take my word and live it out and watch the joy that comes. Let me just make sure that you saw this. Before Brian Tracy said 85% of joy comes from relationships, Jesus did. It, I mean, let me take you back there, 11, verse 11, one more time, John 15, 11. He says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So I want to take some time in this message today to, to kind of break down this idea of what it means to love each other. Because I think probably a lot of us have been around the block enough to know that love ends up being just a poetic word until somebody does something to live it out. And so I'm praying that God would speak to some of us about particular ways that we can live it out. And I'm going uh, to bring a teaching on five keys to great relationships. And what I'm really talking about are five particular ways to live out the love that Jesus called us to. If you're ready for the five, say amen. 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 All right. Well, you said you're ready, so I'll go for it. But, but first, uh, I, I want you to know that today I want to acknowledge that as I share these five keys, you may be thinking to yourself, yeah, I do that, and I do that too, and I do that one too, and I do that, and I did all five of them. <laughs> and you may, but my challenge today would be to say, it's time to take it up a key, to take it up a key. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, for example, that, that Bruno Mars song, right? I can sing it like this. I could sing, you can count on me like one, two, three, and I'll be there. And it feels a certain kind of way. Or I could sing it like this, you can count on me like one, two, three, and I'll be there. And it hits a different way, doesn't it? The, the key matters. And for somebody, I'm hoping that today you would take it up a key. And maybe the best thing you could do is if you hear these five keys to great relationships is say, Holy Spirit, is there just one that maybe is the one 
that you want to give me a gentle nudge with? Because that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that in this message, somebody gets a gentle nudge on some ways you can take it up a key. And others of you, I'm not praying that you get a gentle nudge. I'm praying you get like a swift kick over there uh, on some of these, right? Because the relationships in your life need that to happen. And, And so John 15, Jesus called us to love, but let's get particular. Let's get practical. Psalm 19 says this. It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I I love those words, don't you? Why don't you say them with me? Psalm 19, verse 14. Let's say it all together. Ready? From the top. Go. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Those are such beautiful words. They're beautiful words. But my friends, those words are not just meant to be on some Hobby Lobby wall art that's hanging on the wall in the spare bedroom, right? Like, because what can sometimes happen is exactly that. And so we'll have our, our private kind of God moments and, and we're going, oh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then our kid comes home late and their room's a mess and we're going, what's wrong with you? Why is your room such a mess? It's a pigsty, you're filthy. But then we go back to our God moments, oh, no, and the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, right? Do we see? They can sometimes be a disconnect. And I think maybe for someone today, God is maybe beckoning us, drawing us to a better way. And really, at the core of it, it is a desire that the words of our mouth, that what comes out of our mouth to our husband and our wife and our kids and our parents and our co-workers and our friends, that our words, what we communicate would be pleasing in God's sight. That's really where he's calling us to go. And so I wanted to tell somebody today right out of the gate, it's time to crank up the communication. That's the first key to great relationships. Crank up the communication. Here's why this matters. Because the greatest myth about communication is believing the illusion that it has actually happened. And for some of us, we we don't recognize how, how little actual communication is happening because communication has to be about a message that's being conveyed and then being received. And it's about also then receiving back the response so that we know that understanding has happened. This is what I mean when I say crank up the communication. Some of us, we learn some things in the family we grew up in about communication that aren't serving us very well. For example, what we learned is when things get a little rough, just shut down, just stonewall, just silent, just don't even mention it. That's not doing anybody any favors, and it's, it's not helping to lead to a positive growth. We need to crank up the communication, and for some of us, we, we need to start simple, Here's what I mean. For some of us, we could start very simple. Like, just say hello. I mean it. Like, they walk in the room, turn off the phone, look at them in the eyes, and say hello. Try it right now. Look at them right now. The person sitting next to you, just look at them. Feels human, doesn't it? (laughs) Somebody, I'm not even joking with you right now. You don't even know this, but that there's a family member, there's a friend that feels dissed by you, devalued by you, because you you don't actually do this. They they feel unseen. Start with the simple things. Say hello. Say thank you. They bring something good your way, thank them for it. And, And here's an important one, another very simple one. But say to them, I love you. 
Say to them, you look good. That's an important one, fellas. Say to them, you look good. Say to them, you are good. Do you know how much value can happen when you look someone who loves you in the eye and you say to them, you are good. And I think for some of us, we, we take it for granted that they know we feel that way. They might not know if we haven't told them sometime recently. So crank up the communication. Let me take you to the scriptures on this, Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let me say that one again. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let's just pause on that. I think maybe for some of us, we've kind of gotten used to just throwing down a bunch of stuff that, that we think isn't any big deal they talk like that in every movie and TV show I watch, so what's the problem? But we're actually inviting damage into the relationship because we're doing exactly what God's word said don't do. And, and maybe it's time to crank down that kind of communication and crank up the right kind. Don't use foul or abusive language. And instead, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is God and his desire for what communication would look like in your family. Can, can I tell you something? I feel so very blessed that for me, in my life, God has given me a wife for whom it is normal to, to say almost every day, usually every day, multiple times, something like this. I love you, John Hansen. You're a good man, John Hansen. And it's not because I'm so lovable or so good all the time. It's not. It's because she chooses to put that into the communication on purpose. And I feel like maybe the reason we're about to hit the 20-year anniversary mark in a couple of weeks is because of her willingness to say, I'm going to keep that right there in the air every day. I love you, John Hansen. You're a good man, John Hansen. Like, it, it's in my mind echoing because she says it so often. Do you know what that does to me? I think I am a better man, John Hansen, because she said so and called it out in me, right? And this is something that all of us can do. We can change the atmosphere of any relationship simply by cranking up the communication and taking it up a key into the good things. Let it flow. Let it begin to come through in, in, in God's love flowing through your life. Let, let me read this scripture, though. Luke 6.31. It says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Now, why don't you just read these words of Jesus, the golden rule, out loud with me. Ready? Go. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. This is one of those teachings of Jesus that is so simple, it's like it should have been a page in that book, everything I needed to learn about life I learned in kindergarten, right? But it's timeless and true at the same time. And I think maybe sometimes we forget that it really is the simple things where the deepest goodness happens. And this is one of them. And I guess what I feel like Jesus is calling us to is, is to keep up the kindness. And that's the second key of great relationships. Keep up the kindness. I want you to say it out loud. Say it. Keep up the kindness. Probably the relationships that you have right now, they began because you started with some kindness. Like you were kind enough that she was willing to go out on a second date with you. 
right, that there was enough kindness that that guy was like, yeah, man, we ought to hang out sometime. Uh, there was enough kindness that they ended up saying, you know, you guys should come over and, and have pizza with us, right? There was enough kindness at the beginning. Most of our relationships, we start with kindness. But if we're not, if we're not watchful about it, we can just kind of forget and hope that things will just fly on autopilot without the investment that kindness brings us to. But I think God's speaking to somebody right now and saying, hey, hey, keep up the kindness. Keep up the kindness. Say it again. Keep up the kindness. Keep up the kindness. This is God's word, Colossians 3, verse 12. It said, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and what? And kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. But his word was, since you are the people that God loves, you, you must. And, and his word says you must. Not me, but his word says it. You must clothe yourselves with it. Dot, dot, dot kindness. So let's put it on. And, and kindness sometimes is as simple as shifting the tone that we're choosing to use. Kindness sometimes requires me to engage in a little bit of internal mood management. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I can be in a bad mood, but it's a choice to stay in a bad mood, and it's another choice to give my bad mood off to you. It is possible, actually, to take a little bit of responsibility for what's going on in here and in here and decide to push it in a different direction. We can do that. And when we find ourselves totally grumpy and barking, we need to acknowledge that as the bad mood that it is and say, I don't think I want to stay in a bad mood. Think of it like this. If, you, if you're in a room that was filled with like dog doo-doo all around, would you choose to stay in that bad room? No. You'd go, this is bad. I'm heading out from here, and you'd leave. You can do that with a mood. Believe me, I know. Like, <laughs> I have lots of experience of being in bad mood zone, but I have learned the value of choosing to leave that. And it's so that kindness can come through. Kindness sometimes needs to show up in the form of being generous with one another. Maybe generosity sometimes can look like not keeping such a rigid scorecard where everything's tit for tat. You did this, then I do that. But instead, just free-flowing with a giving spirit towards one another. This past week, I got a, a package on the, on the front porch. And it was a big box from Tennessee. And the, the big thing was, it said it cost $46 to send this package. I'm like, my goodness, who spent 46 bucks to send a package to my front door? And I opened it up, and it was from Pastor James and Brooke Franz, and he sent me a, a, a gift from Tennessee, and it was a, a basket full of, like, Tennessee coffee and Tennessee treats and Tennessee mugs and, and almost, almost just, like, out of the blue saying, hey, man, we love you, with a nice card just saying, we, we were thinking of you guys, we miss you, and wanted you to know that you were on our hearts and on our minds. And, man, I was just like, in a second, in an instant, that kindness affected me deeply, and it caused that sense of value in the relationship to just go off the charts in a second. Kindness has a way of doing that. And so I'm telling somebody, your marching orders from heaven this week is to look for some ways you can keep up the kindness and bring more of it into one relationship in particular. 
And it's the one that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about right now. I, I don't know what the interpretation is of that cry over there. It might be husband or wife or son or daughter, but you're going to do it. You're going to follow. You're going to keep the kindness. Let me, let me keep moving. Psalm 133, verse 1. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Why don't you say that verse with me from the top? Ready, go. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. It's a picture of relationships and God's people hanging out, relating well together, and God describes it and says, ah, it's good, it's pleasant. And for me, those are kind of like Bible words for fun, you know? And, and I think maybe we underestimate the way in which God desires for our experience of connection and community to actually be fun. But it is part of what God desires for us. And so I wanted to tell somebody today, it's time to fire up the fun factor in your relationships. That is the third key in great relationships. Fire up the fun factor. Come on, say it with me. Say it. Fire up the fun factor. I, I believe that uh, it's important for you and I to engage this proactively. Because otherwise, what can often happen is we get into re routines of boredom and familiarity with our relationships. It's like, well, this is the, this is the person where I just, we just have a one-hour phone call once every three weeks, and that's what we do. Well, what we do is, what, what we, do is we, we, we sit on the couch and watch two episodes of our show, and then we go to sleep, and we do that every single day, every single week, every single month, rinse and repeat, 10 years, 15, 20 years, whatever we do, we do with our life, right? And I'm telling you, you can, you can make it different. Fire up the fun factor. I was so blessed when uh, one day uh, a while back, uh, you know, this friend just suddenly showed up at my place and said, come on, get in the car. You're coming with me. We're going to pole position. And, and that's the electric go-karts place, right? Back before everybody could have an electric scooter that goes faster than the go-karts. Anyway, I, I knocked on my door. Come on, get in the car. We're going to pole position. And all of a sudden, we're, we're in pole position racing together. And, and all of a sudden, my, my experience of what this relationship was about was getting better and better and better. In fact, ever since then, I've had a way better sense of who, who this person is and what our friendship is really all about. And it had everything to do with getting out and just having some fun together. Fire up the fun factor. And somebody sitting here right now or watching online, you're thinking, well, I don't know about that. I don't think fun is in the Bible. I think the Bible just talks about you need to be more holy and serious. <laughs> Except you'd be wrong because I read my Bible and fun is in there. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 8 says it like this. It says, so I recommend having fun. And this is God's word, God's heart, God's thoughts. He says, so I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat and drink and enjoy life. That way they'll experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. I recommend having fun. I recommend having fun fun, says the word of God. And for somebody today, I, I'm just going to ask you to be willing to be busted out of what has become familiar to you and, and, and to be willing to fire up the fun factor. And do it your way. 
I mean, we all have different ways that that fun is going to fire off. But like, for example, for me, fun, fun factor and firing up the fun factor looked up like, uh, like playing chess with my daughter a few weeks ago. And I know you're thinking chess isn't fun. It is when I play it because we're playing chess. And then all of a sudden, I bust it out into, into, into accents and voices and stuff. And I'm laying on the floor playing chess with my daughter. And I'm going, I don't like that religion of your bishop. And I'm going to come after your bishop right now. And I'm going to kill him. I don't like the bishop. That bishop's always got an angle. Come on, chess people, you know. <laughs> that bishop's always got an angle. I'm going to come after him. Ah, he's got a spirit of religion on him. I'm going to take him out. And my daughter's looking at me like, you're crazy, Dad. But she was having a good time. <laughs> anyway, that's me firing off the fun in my own way. I don't know what the fun is going to look like for you. I think probably for some of us, maybe we do need to learn how to fire off in the fun without crossing the line into the shady stuff. You know what I'm talking about. And it's good to learn new, healthy ways of having fun. But allow that to be part of what your relationships are marked by. Maybe take some time today to, to just sit and dream a little bit. Like, what could I do to inject some fun into this relationship and figure out what you could do that would allow something to bring a spark back, creativity and joy and delight and surprise and it gives so much life to relationships when, when we do that, when we're able to uh, fire, fire up the fun. And uh, I want to I keep going. Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. God gives us relationships with one another because he knows that we are each going to come to moments in our life where we're finally aware that we really can't do it alone. And it's in those moments that God's best is for us to experience life-giving support from the men and women and kids and parents that are meant to be there as the ones that we can count on. But we are also meant to be the ones that could be counted on in that way. And so for somebody today, the fourth key that you need to bring to your relationships is to step up the support. Step up the support. Step up the support. This is part of God's plan for relationships. When I read the scriptures, I, I recognize that right at the very beginning of the Bible, one of the first things God says is, it's not good for man to be alone. It's God recognizing, I have a plan, and it's for there to be supportive, loving, healthy relationships where support comes through. In the scriptures, you, you find uh, that, that we are created for connection, that we do have an innate longing for belonging, and God's idea is that we would find the supportive relationships that would answer that cry of our heart. Do you know that in the scriptures, there's something like 58 verses that are called the, the one another's, and these are the verses that are God's way of calling each of us to step up the support in our relationship with those he's put us in community with. And so I hope that we could do it. I hope we'd be willing to live it out. Hebrews 3.13 says this. It says, encourage each other daily. Encourage each other daily while it's called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. There's something about the support of a brother or sister that can help us not end up falling away and falling off into sin. And for that reason alone, it would be worth each of us putting this into practice. Step up the support. 
I wonder if maybe there's somebody that you have a relationship with, but it's gotten to be a little bit on autopilot, and it's time to come back to some intentionality about it and to put it uh, in some support into that relationship. It can be simple. Like, for example, uh, this week, my son started a new job, and he's working at In-N-Out, and uh, he's... He's, uh, he's, he's working there, and we don't really know what's going on when he's over there at work. But this one uh, brother, this one friend called me this week and said, Hey, I just wanted to call you because I just came home from In-N-Out, and I saw your son there. And the, the way his voice sounded at first, I was like, uh-oh, oh no, oh no. But then he went on to say, he said, listen, I wanted to just let you know, I was just kind of sitting to the side and watching him, and he was going to table after table with a smile on his face, and he was wiping the things down, he was mopping up the floor, checking in on every single person, asking them if they had anything they needed, and was willing to go get stuff for them. And I just wanted you to know that, man, whatever you and Ann did, you did something right with that kid, because, man, what, what a good son you've got out there. And you know what? He didn't have to take his time to do that, but that was his way of being a brother to me and stepping up the support to say, I got you. Like, I see who you are as a dad, and and I'm letting you know that you're doing something right, and I'm there if you need me. Like, it was just this moment where support was coming through, encouragement was coming through, and it caused me to sense a greater kind of connection with this brother than I had before. It's just so valuable to step up the support. And then uh, lastly, turn up the trustworthiness. This is the fifth key of great relationships. Turn up the trustworthiness. Everybody shout trustworthiness. It's about being the kind of person that would do what you said you'd do. It's about being the kind of person that would come through when there's a need. It's about being the kind of person who would be willing to be honest. It's about being the kind of person that won't deflect when you've done something wrong, but instead you'd you'd own it. These are some of the factors of trustworthiness. And when we choose to, to operate in trustworthiness, the relationship becomes one of greater safety. And then love can flow even better than before. So turn up the trustworthiness. The the scriptures say in 2 Corinthians 8.21, we are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. When when we have that kind of a, a view in mind, we make choices to operate with integrity And when we do that, it allows the trustworthiness to grow. And when that grows, the love can flourish all the more. So turn up the trustworthiness. All right. I wanted to just uh, end with this. In my pocket, I have uh, this particular key. And if you were to look at this particular key up close, you would see it says GMK, which stands for Grand Master Key. As in, there's no master key more grand than this one. And this is the grand master key to every door in this whole entire campus of Center Point Church. And by privilege of my role around here, I get to have the grand master key. Any door I show up to, this key will get me in if the others don't work. I got it. I've got the grand master key. And I wanted to tell somebody today that the grand master key to relationships is always and ever going to be the love of 
Jesus. And the love of Jesus is the grandmaster key that by virtue of your faith in him is always right there for you. And, and for somebody, I'm talking to you, you're a believer, and, and I'm saying, come on, let's come back to the place where we're grabbing hold of that love of Jesus and living it out, because the scriptures did say this in John 15, verse 13, one more time, it said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And then Jesus said this in verse 14, hey, you are my friends if you do what I command. Isn't that mind-blowing that Jesus would want to have a relationship with us that ultimately could be characterized as friendship. But it's true. That is what is on the mind of Jesus, is to be able to have a relationship with you and me that could be called friendship. And none of us are disqualified. Not a one of us. No matter how we have been feeling about what was going on in our lives Every one of us can have a friendship with Jesus. He said, if you do what I command, I call you friends. So what does he command? He commands love each other. We already carried that. But he also says this in John 6. In John 6, verse uh, 29, I said, Jesus talked to the disciples and told them, and this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. When it's all, Jesus is saying, when it's all said and done, that's it. That's what God is looking for. Would you believe in the one that he sent, Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Would you believe in the one that he has sent? Believe that he's willing to forgive your sin. Believe that he's willing to give you a new life. Believe that he's able to take the shame and guilt off of you by the cross. Believe that he is willing to give you the leadership and guidance that you need. Believe in the one that he has sent, Jesus Christ, and that he can do what would otherwise be impossible. Believe in the one that he has sent and put his words into action in your life. This is what God's calling for. For you and me to be the kind of people who when it's all said and done, stake our claim here on a belief in Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives and the Savior of our souls. And so for every one of us who's a believer, then today is one more day to be able to stand with gratitude and thank him for the gift of salvation. And for somebody else, you've joined me online today and you're trying to make sense of all this, let me be really clear about it. God loves you with an unfailing love, and he's called you to put your trust in him. And for somebody, this is what has to happen today. Once and for all, you need to finally say, Jesus, I give you my life. And you give him your trust. You give him your heart. And then he takes the rightful position of the Lord in your life. For somebody, I'm hoping you would call out on him today and ask him to forgive you and save you. For somebody else, I'm praying that today you, you would kind of wake back up in, into a life of living in his love and living it out. I want you to take a moment and just pray with me. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your word that never fails and that is always true. And I praise you, God, that you give us the grand master key to every relationship. And it's in your perfect love. And I pray, God, for every one of us that there would be more and more of the perfect love of Jesus flowing into and through our lives 
and into and through our relationships. God, I pray that you would allow your spirit to give some of us a, a, a gentle nudge or a good strong push uh, onto any one of these ways that we need to take it up a key in our relationships. So God, would you speak to some of us? Do we need to crank up the communication? Do we need to keep up the kindness? Or is it the trustworthiness? Or is it the support? Is it the fun? Lord, would you speak to some of us right now? now? Just of those five things, I just want you to pay attention right now. And what do you feel like God is whispering to you? Which one of those five right now would he say, that's the one for you? Run a little bit more with that one. Which one? Trustworthiness? Support? Fun? Kindness? Communication? Which one? And in which relationship? Would you just pay attention for a moment in the spirit as you're praying? God, which relationship needs more of that? Would you just ask him right now? Just say it with me. God, which relationship needs more of that? And he just brought to your mind the picture of, the, of their face. Now you know what to do. So God, I pray that you'd empower some of us to bring more of your love and goodness into our relationships. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that also in this moment there would be a spiritual awakening for somebody. And, and for a couple of us, the truth is we're, we're trying to figure things out spiritually, but we're not quite sure what to do. Here's what I want to say. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and save your life, that's where everything starts. It starts with a moment where once and for all, you receive his free gift of salvation. And what, what that means is that, that you recognize he's willing to forgive you and save you, and you just finally say yes to him. And for somebody, I'm asking you today to consider whether you need to receive his gift of salvation or not. And if you're willing, and if you want to say yes to Jesus, if you're finally saying, I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and save my life, you're in a place where once and for all you would say, I want to receive his, his love and mercy and be forgiven and know that I have a home in heaven. And I want to know that I'm right with God. I don't want to wonder about that anymore. It comes through your willingness to trust in Jesus. And so today, if you would say, I want to do that, I want to say yes to Jesus once and for all and ask him to forgive me and save me. If that's where you're coming from, earnestly, right now I want you to raise your hand with me. This is your way of saying, once and for all, I want to say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive my sins and save my life. Raise your hand with me. Just keep it up for a moment. Raise it high and let it be known that you are once and for all saying yes to Jesus to ask for his gift of salvation. Over here in the back of my right, I see both of you. And if there's anyone else, this is your moment. Raise your hand. Make it known here and now you're saying yes to Jesus. Way up in the back in the top on my right, thank you. If there's anyone else, you're joining me online. Maybe you just need to type into the comments and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just type it in. Be bold. Let this be your moment wherever you are. And now those of you who are 
entering into this moment, I want you to pray. And I want you to say something like this. Those of you who had your hand raised, you talk to God for a moment. Something like this. You say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it with me, actually. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it one more time. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I repent and turn from my sin, and I turn to you, Jesus. I believe when you died on the cross, you paid the price so that I could be fully forgiven. And when you rose from the dead, I believe you made a way for me to really live. So I'm asking you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior from this moment on. Just say that to him. Come be my Lord and Savior from this moment on, Jesus. Say it again. Say it to him. And now, Lord, I pray that you would do it, that you would allow your freedom and your beauty and goodness to come to these who are entering into this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say together, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet and celebrate God's goodness? Come on, it's a good thing when there's four or five people saying yes to Jesus. But, but hold on a minute. Don't run out just quite yet. God, I pray that if there's anything else you want to do while we're standing in your presence together, that you would do it, that you would have your way, and that you would get more and more of our hearts. So is there anything else that you want to do in this moment? Holy Spirit. Any kind of vision you want to release to us? Any kind of word of knowledge? Holy Spirit, we say yes. Okay, so while I'm praying, I saw something of a, a glimpse of something in the Spirit. It's like a factory these conveyor belts going around and these machines kind of doing these pressings one after the other. And, and it, I saw a person kind of standing to the side, arms across the chest, kind of looking at this factory. Almost with resentment. But then when you, when you got right up close, it's so weird, when you got right up close to what was going on with the conveyor belts, the scene changed and it's no longer a factory, but it's just children <laughs> playing with Play-Doh. <laughs> Isn't that weird? What a weird thing to see. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's something I saw in the spirit. And I feel like it's God saying to somebody in particular, there, there's no cookie cutter. And from a distance, it might look like cookie cutters. But when you get right up close, it's a creative playful experience like a kid playing with play-doh and, and now i'm talking about your life and what it can be like when god gets a hold of it listen for for some of us today you're like what is this it's just crazy nonsense i don't know but for somebody what i just shared with you it it, it is exactly what you needed to hear because for some strange reason it's going to connect the dots in your life and you're going to know god's speaking to me that's what a moment like this is about Okay, let me tell you something else, really amazing. In, in, in our nine o'clock service, I had a word of knowledge to pray for healing in hands and knuckles. And, and literally there were seven people who, whose hands in debilitating pain when they came in were totally and completely healed. Coming up to me in the patio after the service to say, this is what God did. And so, you know, Jesus went around and, and brought healing to people. And so it's just part of the kingdom life in Jesus. 
And so from time to time, we just need to do that too. And so, God, I pray that if there's anything in particular that you want to bring a healing touch to right now in this service, God, that you do it, that you'd bring a healing touch into physical bodies right here in this room, even right now. I pray, God, for a blanket wave of your healing activity just because we're standing in your presence, even whether or not somebody said the thing that we had coming in. God, I pray for just a wave of your healing presence just to come across the room and bring relief from physical pain, even though we haven't named particularities. God, I pray that you would also bring some specific things that you want to touch right now. What is it, Lord? What kind of things do you want to touch, God? (laughs) I think I want to pray for somebody sitting at home right now. And you're at home, and you've joined us online. You're not even in the room. But the reason you didn't come is because of this crazy pain in your hips. Like you didn't even want to get up because of hip pain so bad. I want to pray for healing. I want you, you're, you're sitting at home. This also could be someone in the room too, but I want you to put your hands on your hips. The hips that hurt so bad, you hardly even wanted to get up today. Put your own hands on your own hips. Uh, it'd be awkward to say to somebody, lay hands on that person on their hips. But you lay your own hands on your own hips. <laughs> Do it. Right? Put them on if you had that pain. And God, I pray that even in the moment that, that uh, this word was called out, that you began to move and, and release from the cross, from all eternity, what you paid for. And the healing comes. And so I pray, God, that your healing would come to somebody with arthritis in the hips. And that right now, freedom comes and mobility returns. Right now. What else, Lord? What else? What else is it that you want to touch, God? What else? What else, Lord? I got just a a picture in my mind right now of somebody, like you're clicking your jaw, like dealing with the pain of your, your, your lock jaw issue. And I believe God wants to heal that. If that's you, if you would say, Man, that's me. I need God's touch on my jaw. Would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand if you need God's touch on your jaw. You're right here in the middle. Is there anyone else? I just want to not miss you. I want to make sure that we pray for somebody way up in the back. Okay, with your hand up, I want you to put one hand on your your cheek where you got the jaw issue. And if you believe that Jesus is able to bring healing, I want you to come near that person right now. Just lay a hand on them if you believe that Jesus is able to heal. And pray with me. Intercede with me. God, I pray that right now you would bring a touch from heaven to these particular physical things. Jesus, you went around healing the sick. Why wouldn't we do likewise? And so I pray for this particular thing to get a touch from your hand right now. And we declare that from all eternity the cross has already spoken. By your wounds we are healed. So God, I pray for a release of your healing to come. Right now into jaw. Right now into jaws that need it. Bring your healing, Lord. Your healing touch. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For somebody else, I want to pray for healing uh, because you've been diagnosed with cancer. In this church, we have testimony after testimony of God bringing deliverance and healing from cancer. It is not the final word. Jesus is the final word. And so right now... You need God's touch because you got a diagnosis of cancer. I want you to raise your hand. Uh, you could type it in online if you if you need the, the touch of God. And you're joining online. Raise your hand if you had cancer diagnosis and you need the touch of God to bring healing. Keep the healing coming, Lord. Right here in the middle, God, I pray for your healing to come where it's needed. And this one we won't be able to know right here today probably, but God, we believe you to bring a healing touch. In the mighty name of Jesus, we look forward to a a testimony of your healing. 
and we praise you together and we shout praise to you God and we say hallelujah to the living God just say it with me hallelujah hallelujah to the living God we praise you and we sing it out hallelujah to you Lord hallelujah to you God we sing it out just start singing that song hallelujah 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 